Bitcoin. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. All right. Another week in Bitcoin land. Not too many news stories today. The news this week was kind of taken up by consensus and a few other big stories, um, Bcash fork, um, things of that nature. I'm just going to cover the fundamentals and then a few important uh, news items that I think are worth mentioning. So thank you for joining me. Uh, this is the only show that talks about this these type of fundamentals, um, all the way from prices and futures and uh, different ratios like the mayor multiple and things. We also break down mining, like actual numbers from the network, uh, like transaction numbers and difficulty and mempool and, and all those things. I even touch on development. So this is the only show like this out there. I appreciate my support from my patrons. If you guys would like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. Okay, enough of that. Let's get started. Prices on Bitstamp, we have $8,285. That makes a Finney 82 cents, almost 83 cents. The price has definitely, obviously, you guys have been watching this. The price has come down about $1,000 since my last show. And on my last show, I was talking about how the price looked super solid, and it did. Uh, that I was hoping that $9,000 would, would catch the price, but it didn't. So... Uh, I also said on that show that eight eight thousand would be perfectly fine to bounce off of as well. You know, before this goes back up, it's going to have to wreck a lot of people. And I saw a ton of longs on Bitmax getting liquidated. A couple ten million dollar longs. I think that's the largest position you can have on Bitmax is ten million. Um, so a lot of longs have been wrecked, and it's it seems the chart looks really nasty right now. So it's, it is possible that it goes down here from, from here. But in my opinion, this is a sideways market. You know, we're finding some equilibrium right here between 8,000 and 9,000. There's going to be, end up being a ton of volume right in this, this area. And so, um, uh, I, I just think there's a lot of support at these levels. Now there is a possibility that we do have a stab down, uh, back down to 6,500 or something. But I do think that this whole era right now, this market cycle is going to be much more compressed compared to the 2014, 2015 market cycle. So that, that market cycle from high to low went from November of 13 all the way to August of 15. So that was almost two years, right? About 20 months of a down market. Uh, I don't think we are in that. I think we are in the sideways portion of this market right now. So we might have one more step down before we go up. But guys, this the fundamentals are, are beautiful. Uh, everybody is, big money is talking about Bitcoin. There's all sorts of stuff under the radar. And uh, so I, I expect this, the, the price can't go down much more. I mean, this is not going to be like, if you, if you're not a trader and you're just invested, you're sitting pretty right now because the price is not going to drop much below 6,000. If it does, if it even gets there, um, you know, if it gets there, just add a little bit to your position, um, add a little bit on the way down. I don't see this going down to 4,000, 3,000, like some people were talking about, 
this is there's just way way too much demand up here so i think we're sitting pretty plus i mean the happening is only 700 days away you know it's less than two years away and that's that's in the back of people's minds we just passed the 17 million dollar mark for the number of outstanding bitcoins um and someone pointed this out to me at the time that there's roughly four million, three to four million that are estimated missing, right, or gone, uh, of bitcoins out there. So the total supply is around seventeen. Even when we get to twenty-one million, there's only going to be seventeen million really outstanding. The rest of them are are lost. Um, so we passed <laughs> we passed seventeen, which is just an interesting number. Um, I did get. Uh, interviewed or, or asked for comment by uh, CNBC and uh, when at the 17 million dollar mark or 17 million Bitcoin mark and I said this is just gonna remind the market of how scarce this really is right these big round numbers uh, do that kind of thing anyway so we're, we're sitting pretty though 8291 right now for the price let's go on here so the 200 daily moving average, uh, simple moving average is 10,217. I thought there was going to be more of an effect when this crossed 10,000 because it was a round number. Big institutional investors will look at the 200 uh, day moving average to, to gauge where the price is. Possibly when this breaks the 200 day moving average next, perhaps that's a trigger. I'm not sure. So the mayor multiple, which is the price over the 200 day uh, moving average is 0.81 pretty dang low like i i think the it's like five percent of days below this uh for the mayor multiple ever for bitcoin okex futures so this is a june contract it's a bitcoin settled futures and it's at 8440 let me double check that yeah 8430 now 8440 it's a spread of around 150 to 200 dollars so that's about two to three percent uh of a premium on a June futures contract, which is two months out, right? Um, or six weeks out. CME futures. So this is the cash settled Bitcoin futures or, or the US dollar settled Bitcoin futures. The May contract, which closes the last Friday of this month, is 83.25. So about a $50 premium. Uh, and the June contract is 83.40, a little bit above that uh, the story here is open interest is back up again uh, at 2500 contracts uh, this is about the top like i haven't seen it much higher than this so this is almost a record for open interest on the contracts but it's still only 12600 bitcoins okay in total but who knows if this keeps moving up and we get to like 3000 4000 5000 open contracts or open interest uh, contracts then you know, we're starting to really see the bigger money coming coming in. BitMEX futures. So these are also Bitcoin sell futures. And this is the most, this is the highest volume exchange. It's run by Arthur Hayes, or at least he's the CEO. I believe he's, he's, I think he's a founder of BitMEX. But this guy's just super impressive. He's super impressive. He's a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm I'm guessing, but he does a good job of not talking about that and being somewhat impartial. I mean, his his job uh, requires him to have some sort of ob objectivity, but uh, um, great guy. And, you know, there's just no drama with him. Uh, 
they do great research over there at BitMEX. I mean, his operation is run very, very well. I've never heard of major issues with BitMEX other than like during high volume times uh, where like the price is is uh, <laughs> spiking or crashing by five or ten percent. You have a hard time executing manual trades. But other than that, I never heard anything bad about BitMEX. So they do a great job. Anyway, their June contract is 83.54 and their September contract is 84.37, which is, let's see, 84.37. So that's the same thing, about 150 to $200 premium for the September contract. That's the longest one I've mentioned here um, is the BitMEX. They, they do the two quarters out. So it's almost like a six month. Okay. Uh, let's see. That's it for the prices. If you guys have anything else that you want me to mention here on prices, uh, comment on SoundCloud or uh, on Twitter. You can reach out to me, BTCMRKTS. All right. Market size and transactions. Market cap we have is uh, Bitcoin is $141 billion. Not a not really anything significant to mention there. The global Bitcoin market cap that includes all these scam coins and everything is uh, 382 billion. This has come down quite drastically. Uh, when Bitcoin drops, everything else kind of drops, right? Okay, so we have maximum price of 22,465. 22,465. There's nothing really to get from this number uh, right now uh, it was at 25,000 last week and um, really this just shows because this is the bitcoin space right everything is driven off of bitcoin bitcoin is the only blockchain used at scale uh, it still remains that way um, all of this talk about ethereum and and um, bcash and whatever i mean all these things are just jokes they don't add, they're not actually in production. They don't, I mean, Ethereum is basically a test net. Look at all of the problems they have. Every, every month or two, there's a report of a major bug. The biggest problem is the programming language sucks. Solidity has compiling issues. I mean, it's just one big test net. Um, and it's a test net that you can, you, that you can use to create other test nets. I responded to an Amir Taki tweet because he's back on Twitter, uh, being more active out there. And I, that's great. I mean, Amir uh, did a great job back in the day with Dark Wallet. Um, he and Cody Wilson were, you know, some guys that I followed uh, early on. And um, I, I liked their uh, ideology, you know, with uh, towards privacy and everything. But there's a lot of that out there right now. Nopara is an example. He is a guy that uh, I big things are coming this year from Nopara and his his wallet project that he has coming out. Um, Samurai is right in there. Like Samurai kind of took Amir Taki's spot in my mind. I don't know why. Like uh, Amir Taki was one of these guys that just he was a cypherpunk a squatter in london that wrote code and that was just so fascinating to me and a samurai kind of took this uh position in my mind of what amir taki used to be like um but now amir taki's back he's he's a socialist and um well i don't know if he'd call himself that but i think he's he's more aligned with like a crypto socialism than a crypto anarchy and um 
anyway, he he has some of his own ideas, and and he's going a little bit uh, off the deep end. But he's so damn smart that maybe maybe he is just stirring the pot. When when he first came back from his little stint that he did over there, I think it was Syria or somewhere maybe in um in far eastern Turkey. I don't, I don't know exactly where he was now, but. Um, he, he did a stint over there, which was beautiful because, you know, he didn't just talk the talk. He actually went over there and helped fight for freedom against these people. And when he came back, he's like, we need to really get down to our fundamentals, ask about what we're doing here, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought that was a great message at the time, right? Because we had just finished this huge, uh, scaling conflict. Um, and we needed, to, we needed to get back to our principles, but then he kind of, took it a different direction than I thought he was going. So I, I don't know exactly where his head is at right now because he, he had a tweet out there about, um, you know, where Bitcoin and Ethereum is both speculation, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, yeah, well, Ethereum is an intranet. You're speculating on an intranet that spawns other intranets. Bitcoin is the internet right that that's the type of speculation and we can't we can't just blindly look at i mean if if you want to be fucking confused about this space you can look at it from being completely uh ignorant of history right you just look at this exact space right now and you try to find your footing it's going to be very hard if you do not look back at the history of the internet and how the protocol scaled out right how these people work together how this came to be the way it is now. Um, open source development, the open permissionless network versus the closed uh, protocols, communication protocols. That, you know, if you look at, if you, if you don't look at all this and you don't know the history, not only of Bitcoin, but of the internet itself, it's going to be very, very hard to have any sort of f- footing. And then you're going to bite off on these altcoins and things. Um, so yeah, Ethereum is just a test net. It's a dot com for the intranet. And it's spawning other dot coms for the intranet. I mean, it's one big Ponzi scheme that has been extended by spawning other Ponzi schemes. And eventually, man, it when Ethereum goes down, it's going to go down hard. And I have a feeling that this proof of stake might be a trigger. It might be a trigger. Um, we don't know if they're ever going to go pure proof of stake. I think, don't they have this, the next step is a hybrid Casper hybrid, uh, or Casper hybrid proof of stake, proof of work. Will it ever go full proof of stake? Um, I think there's some like thresholds built in where that happens. Um, but who knows, man, there's an article out by some investment firm and they looked at it and they said, look, this is not economical for people because it has to be, you have to like the reward for mining or for proof of stake staking has to be much higher than it is. They ran some numbers and they're like with the typical volatility for Ethereum, they need to have like a 26% return to make it actually worth it for investors. But right now, you know, it's, it's set at like five or 10% or something like that. So, um, there's there's some major issues coming up and i'm it's it's so complicated it's like proof of stake is stupid um 
And it's so incredibly complicated to try to, because, you know, every time you think you solved one problem, you create another problem. And so they've had to take this out to the nth degree of complexity on the game theory, on the incentive structure, and there's going to be some mistake. Bitcoin is very simple. Proof of work, you know, if it meets this bar of difficulty, it's valid and it's has valid uh, transactions, it's valid. Okay. And that's very simple. I just think they're they're asking for a major problem, like a major split of the network, a major consensus failure happening when proof of stake comes. And look, it is a house of cards, Ethereum is. Anyway, okay, let's get back to Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin, so that was the maximal price. On-chain transactions in the last 24 hours, 1,087,000 Bitcoins. That's about $9 billion worth of Bitcoins. That's down slightly. The last show was $10 billion worth of Bitcoin. Right around the same volume for BTC, slightly lower. It is, it's in the ballpark. Okay, average transaction value. Now this one is almost a full Bitcoin or 5.62 Bitcoins per transaction. And that is $47,000 down from $57,000 per transaction. That there could be different reasons for this. Like people are hodling better or they're having better uh, input selection on their transactions. The median transaction value. So this is, if you're not uh, ca- uh, overly weighting uh, the larger transactions, it is uh, 0.058 Bitcoins or $482. This is slightly up. So where the average is down, the median is up. That's interesting. Okay, the MVT net value per transact network value per transaction for a 28-day average is uh, 136. Longs versus shorts. Now I should probably put this up in the prices section. Um, I'll do that for next time. So uh, this is the futures on Bitmex. They or sorry, Bitfinex. They publish these numbers, and the longs are about 29,800, almost 30,000, and the shorts are uh, 20,600. So. Uh, the it's getting close to 1.5 it's 1.44 this ratio did touch the 180 day moving average for this ratio uh, which i think is roughly equilibrium Um, again we usually hit bottoms higher up on this ratio more longs are added as it goes down and so uh, this this ratio goes up Um, it looks really healthy uh, in a sidewards area right now Okay, finally, done with that. Let's get on to security and blockchain stuff. Difficulty has been up and down. Well, hash rate has been up and down um, over the last week. We did have a recent difficulty adjustment. I don't know if it was, I think it was just after my last show. uh, That was 3%. It was a 3% increase in difficulty. Um, Then it looked like it might go down 1%. You know, there was all this Bcash pump. And so some of the hash rate went over there. Um, but right now, there, there's been a recent spike uh, in hash rate on the Bitcoin network. So the dip, the estimated difficulty change is is still sitting at, let's see, 5.4%. But like I said, there's this huge spike right now in difficulty. We just topped, I think we just, yeah, we just topped the all-time high hash rate for the shortest average that I keep track of for f- over 500 and four blocks. Again, this is looking good. I don't, I mean, look, this hash rate is outpacing price. 
there's no sign of slowing down. Okay. There, this is a major, major fundamental mining. We have not had a negative number for mining in since when, uh, or at least for the difficulty adjustment, we have not had a negative difficulty adjustment since November of last year. Okay. This is a very long period of major increases in a down market, mind you. So last year we probably had uh, four to five negative adjustments. Okay. That so far we've had zero this year. And we've had some major increases. So if you go back to January and February, when the price was crashing, the hash rate was jumping up 15%, 16%, 10% in a row, the difficulty. And now we're kind of sideways, right? We're, the last two adjustments have been 4 and 3%. Now this one is estimated at 5%. That's right in the sweet spot for me. Between 3 and 5% is the sweet spot for this difficulty adjustment. Um, I think about... Maybe one to two percent is uh, technology advances, and then one to two or three percent is from more new investment into into mining. That's how I kind of break it down in my head. So this is a sweet spot. Um, I hope we don't like go up. Uh, who knows? Bcash might be game in this again. Like try to make the difficulty adjust up by ten percent, and then they switch over to Bcash mining and try to slow down blocks or something on Bitcoin. There's some game theory going on there, some games, um, but it's, it's steady. It's, it's looking good. Okay. That's difficulty. Um, mining profitability is down 49 cents per terahash per day. This is obviously a unreliable <laughs> metric because everybody is different. Um, depending on where your energy, where your, how expensive your energy is. This is a average, Blockchain size is 197 gigabytes. We're getting close to that 200 gigabyte mark. And I think Ethereum is getting close to the 700 gigabyte mark or something like that. Very few full nodes on Ethereum are left. You almost can't run a full node, right? So during these hard forks that they have, if you get out of consensus and you, you need to uh, reinitialize or uh, somehow uh, restart your node from scratch and you want to resync your blockchain it's probably never going to happen. You're probably going to have to run it in uh, uh, FastSync. And even FastSync, I heard, is getting close to 100 gigabytes. So, man, Ethereum just has some major, major scaling issues going on. Mempool for Bitcoin is in a little spike right now, 7 megabytes. Again, nothing to be concerned about. Like I said on the last show, um, we have some blocks that are 1.5 megabytes, right? And so in the past, those used to build up and now they don't. So the mempool is clearing out perfectly. And plus people are using better, uh, input selection. They're doing batching. And so they're, they're really using this block space more efficiently, uh, which I think is, is perfect. Plus we have a little bit extra room now with SegWit. So, uh, if you take a look at Bcash, right, they just increased to 32 megabytes when their average block size is 80 kilobytes. They got to find some demand somewhere. Anyway, Bitcoin mempool is at seven megabytes. The median on-chain fee is still only 37 cents per transaction. Okay. Enough of that. Let's go on to development. 
Okay, so these last three sections, development, lightning, and Google Trends, I'll try to go through pretty quick here. Uh, development is just the GitHub development for Bitcoin. 27 merged PRs in the last seven days and 10 closed issues. We just keep grinding and grinding and grinding away on Bitcoin. I, uh, If you guys haven't listened to uh, the Giacomo interview on the Noted podcast from last week, I highly, highly recommend you go listen to that because Giacomo is a genius. It was great. He talks about how the development, um, it's a self-selection mechanism, right? So the developers will first, the best developers will come into Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the best. And if they're the best of the best, they stick around. They get merged PRs. They help out. They come up with some new, uh, they fix a problem or they come up with a new technology of some sort to be added to Bitcoin. They also probably have a longer time preference uh, or a lower time preference. So they might be working on something for two years or three years before they think it's ready, right? They go through the peer review process. Everything is great. And now if you're an inferior dev, you self-select out of Bitcoin because you get frustrated uh, with with Bitcoin and its slow moving uh top level development and uh, you go start an altcoin and you leave right and so the self-selection mechanism actually extends bitcoin's lead it extends bitcoin's um uh, dominance in the development sphere okay and that is incredible that that actually works that way um but we see that all the time the best developers are on bitcoin 27 merged prs 10 closed issues bitcoin is not stagnant all right lightning network Capacity is up to 18.6 Bitcoins. I should also have that in dollar terms. I also should find out the average capacity per channel. Um, but I, I did that the other day. It was about $25. It was about $25 per channel. Uh, so it's probably up a little bit from there, maybe $28, $29 per channel. And in the future, right, like what happens if the price 10x is over the next couple of weeks? Well, each channel is going to have $250 in it. If the price 100x is this year or by the time uh, two years from now, right, then you have uh, this, you have $2,500 in every channel. Um, but anyway, capacity is 18.6 Bitcoins. The channels are also up by another thousand. So it was 5,700 last time I talked. Now it's 6,600 nodes up over 200 again i mean this this is speeding up again so it's it was 1700 last time uh and now it's almost just three shy of 2000 1997 nodes so that makes channels per node 3.3 that's the average 3.3 channels per node there are nodes that have more channels than other nodes and some nodes have one or two channels but there's lots of them so it's not like we have two or three hubs and then spokes, right? We have like um, 500 hubs and the rest are just slightly less connected. Um, it's it's very, very decentralized when you look at it. All right, Google Trends. 12 month Google Trends, we're still sitting at 13, no movement. I mean, no movement, it is flat. Uh, looking for signs of life here, the 30 day, Trends is down slightly this week, um, but right, I mean, right on this flat line, 69 out of 100. Um, there is no sign of life right now for, for Bitcoin on Google Trends. So when that starts ticking up, I mean, even with consensus this week, nothing ticked up here. So 
once this starts ticking up, that's going to be a major sign that this sideways action is over. But it's interesting that when Google Trends stop falling, the price almost stopped falling, right? Like, this is a very good source of, of information, in my opinion. Okay, let's get on to the news. So, like I said, I just have a few news items. I mean, we did have consensus. Uh, the consensus uh, conference in New York City. And this is a big conference. It's like the largest, I think, maybe. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with it all week. There's lots of blockchain, lots of altcoins. Um, the best part of the conference was some of Jimmy Song's comments uh, where he's like, all these blockchain uses are going to be dead in five years, especially the enterprise stuff. That's the silliest, right? Um, so he had some great comments. If you guys can find uh, that, I would I would recommend watching panels with Jimmy Song on them. And also comment. Say, hey, that's Jimmy Song is why I watched this. And this, this blockchain dude is a scammer, right? Or something like that. Because um, how this consensus is just pushing these scams. I mean, it's run by Coindesk. And Coindesk is owned by Barry Silbert. And Barry Silbert has, you know, and DCG, his company, they have lots of interest in a lot of these different projects around the space. So, of course, they're going to be pushing these blockchain uh, scam coins because that's their business. That's their freaking business. Coindesk is notorious for this. They're also notorious for letting scams be advertised on their website. What else? Uh, Jack, Twitter, Jack uh, Dorsey, I think his last name is. He... Uh, Got out there and said, hey, it's time for the internet to have its own native currency, and I'm all in on Bitcoin. I think it's going to be huge, right? Uh, that was really cool to see that or hear about that. And the last part that was great about Consensus was the Magical Crypto Friends. That's um, Samson Mao, Fluffy Pony, um, Satoshi Light, or uh, Charlie Charlie Lee, and Whale Panda. So those guys have their their magical crypto friends show. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's cool to see such pop, popular people out there speaking this Bitcoin maximalist message. That's pretty cool. Even Fluffy Pony does, right? Um, for the most part. And so that was great. All right, that is consensus. The Bcash fork. Okay, so they forked, and uh, nineteen percent of their nodes did not continue. Right. So like if you look at uh, coin.dance, I hate sending people there because they are philosophically aligned with these hard forkers and anti-Bitcoiners. But if uh, so, only 81 percent of their nodes update, upgraded and kept going, they kicked off 19 percent um, because all the ones that kicked off are the old nodes that are running different consensus. Um, this could be related to the bug that I talked about last time, uh, but I don't know. Remember, 54, there was a study done, um, I think, earlier this year, and it found out that 54% of Bcash nodes were hosted on a single host in China. Uh, so, you know, like AWS type thing. And that's not good. That's that's really not good. That could be just the same people plussing up their numbers. Um, this also could be like when they sent out this private release, quote, private release, to, quote, trusted miners... These guys, this 19%, they weren't trusted, so they didn't want to upgrade. 
I mean, that's simple. And there was some discussion on their GitHub, even though they use this other uh, product called Fabricator. It is a product from Facebook, I believe, uh, that um, Facebook uses for its development. And this dead, dead analix, that's, I always say dead anal in my head, but it's a dead mix. The, the lead developer for Bcash, um, he came from Facebook. So that, of course, they're going to be using this Facebook thing. But the problem is, the problem is it's a closed system, right? So they don't, it's, it's not as open as, as GitHub is. Even though it uses Git, it's, it's more, much more closed than Bitcoin development. And so I don't know a lot of what's going on with them. Um, after the fork, the price started dropping. So it seemed to be, you know, really pumped up for this fork type thing. They started pushing that this was an upgrade and not a fork, even though it was a hard fork. And it proved that by losing 19% of their nodes. Um, of course, Bcash is no threat whatsoever. Uh, that doesn't mean we can let up on Bcash. Uh, Bcash uh, is, uh, we need to, uh, like Giacomo said in that interview, we need to um, really start building this kind of, uh, these social norms around pointing out scams, isolating scams, things like that. I think it's great. Now, on that subject, check out darksidebtc.com. This was started by J.W. Weatherman. It's a great website where you can go and fill out these scammers' history. So if you want to point out like the history of a certain scammer, you can link to their page on this darksidebtc.com. It's a great um uh, resource for the community and my listeners if you guys want to go help out that would be where you can make a direct impact uh, is going and helping out at darksidebtc.com speaking of scammers marshall long og scammer he's back in the news doing some project with stacy herbert and max kaiser i think they're getting like they're getting scammed here because uh, marshall long was supposedly a minor back in the day but he no one ever saw his his setup, right? He claimed it was in Illinois. Then he claimed it was in Seattle or something. And no one ever could find where this large mining operation was. And so he basically was a scammer. He's jumped around doing uh, different things. He started some e-sports coin. And so that's a scam. Um, and he hangs out and drives around in, in Roger Ver's uh, Lambo. So this is a major OG scammer. Um, don't you know, his Twitter handle is OGBTC. So be on the watch out for Marshall Long. And okay, last thing, Bitfinex just started asking for some compliance, different compliance information from their customers. So be on the lookout for that. I linked to that in the show notes from Whalepool. They're talking about that. Um, oh, and very last thing is uh, looks like Circle is starting a competitor to Tether. So all this BS built up about Tether over the last year uh, seems to be a all part of a plan. They they break down Tether, then they come in with their own product, right? So this was all pre-planned, I believe, to go after Tether and talk BS. Now, who looks silly? Tone Vase, these other people that pushed that this this was a problem and yada, yada, yada. You got to look at this from a common sense perspective. These people were fighting against Tether for a reason. And you just jumped on the bandwagon and pushed their narrative for them. Anyway, um, got to be careful out there, guys. If you guys would like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. You can also donate on my donate page, bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash donate. Thank you, guys. Peace. <laughs>